Hello, podcasters. We are here, the ladies of Read, Watch, and Wine. And I am Rhea. Treva. And Lynn. And we are here to bring to you our book to movie series adaptation <laughs> of Leave That World Behind. Uh, this was written by, I'm sorry if I pronounce your name wrong. I pronounce all names wrong, so I feel inclusive. Um, is Ramon Alam. Mm-hmm. He and the director, Sam Ishmael, they got together and um, did a premiere in um, our hometown, or I guess Montgomery County, in uh, the author's hometown of Bethesda. So we were able to actually attend that. And I was trying to find the page to show you, but we actually were able to get his signature and his book. So it was pretty awesome. This book came out in 2020, actually mid, like right at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was adapted immediately by the director. It was great. The opening was so nice. The discussion went really well. I missed it. And sorry, Ray, you didn't make it, but Lynn and I had a ball. Notes and everything it was amazing. Yeah, it was really good. And they had a question and answer session at the end of it where everyone got to ask, well, certain folks got to ask the author and the director questions. Unfortunately, we didn't get to ask him one, but I'm going to talk about a little bit of that when we get through the adaptation, because I want to talk about one of the changes. Same. But um, until then, we <laughs> are drinking Aslina wine. It is the South African wine made by the first African American, I'm American, well, mm-hmm. black wine maker in, uh, I guess it's America. No, it's Africa. Yeah. South Africa. Sorry, my brain is going. First left. female African wine maker. Yes. And um, actually, speaking of meeting people, I got to meet her and talk to her about her wine. I got to have a couple of drinks with her and pick her brain about going to school and literally being the only black person in her class to kind of being like, you know, the underdog and then coming out and being like, look, I named the winery after my grandmother. We really didn't have money to get through school, but guess what? We made it happen. So look out for her wine. She is amazing. It's a good one to support. Very nice. All right. Let's dive. Dive into the book. Leave the world behind. Come let's talk for like 20 minutes to my essence to go. Okay. <laughs> I um so I had mixed emotions about the book. I absolutely love the storyline and it definitely kept me engaged. But the ending in the book, it was sort of like it just fell off. It was this big buildup to something that I didn't get. So I was a little disappointed in the ending. Uh, of the book. What do you say? Well, you know what I mean? I need to end my book Mm -hmm. because now I have five different endings (laughs) floating around in my head. um, And something's going to have to happen so that I can get one of those endings. It was good, but I kind of left feeling like, okay, when's part two coming? When's (laughs) when's book two coming? Because I need book two. I need, Mm -hmm. you know, this, the rest of them to then fight over who's going to be down there and who's going to live down there and then have babies or something. I don't know. Or like a deer in the basement area. And it's like, you know, Noah's Ark or something. I don't know. But I need it some sort of a finale. So it's interesting that you said that because when I read the book, I didn't have a visual of like that basement and this, Hideaway for the daughter. And sorry, this is full of spoiler alerts. Hopefully you guys have watched the movie or the book. You should have. But when I watched the movie, like it kind of brought that in together for me because I just felt deprived at the end of that book. Like something wasn't, it wasn't gelling. It was just 
it was like the author just got tired of writing. So, <laughs> so for me, to be honest, you know, I do watch a lot of crazy shows and I used to be a doomsday preppers addict. Mm-hmm. So I envisioned that whole basement. Okay. I knew exactly they were where they were going. I did not picture the, the room being as obvious, but I did picture all of the room and cans and everything everywhere because that's what they do in doomsday preppers. So I, in reading the book, was just like, yes, she and then, you know, she talked about, you know, what would happen. So I, I did feel like it had, of course, like it ended abruptly and, and I needed to know more. But I liked that because I wanted more, which obviously means that we're all ready for a book two if he wants to do that. But also, I really wanted to talk to you guys about like how you felt with that ending. So for me, it's a conversation starter. Like, yeah. How do you get where do you go from here? <laughs> and so um, spoiler, I guess, not into the book, but into the uh, the review that Chibri and I went to or the premiere. Um, one of the questions that were at was asked to the author was like, why did you end the book like that? Like, where did you, where would did your mind go to end a book like that? And he said, back when, you know, COVID first happened, everyone was like trying to find ways to connect with each other, but it was all through either social media or Zoom or everybody watched the Tiger King when it came out. <laughs> so it was always this like entertainment aspect. And if that's gone, how do you connect with people? By sitting down, by talking to them in front of a campfire, having conversation. So he said that from the book, he wanted people to like draw a conversation out naturally mm-hmm. where it didn't come from a social media post or it didn't come from, oh, let's all sit and watch the same movie versus talk about the same movie. Mm-hmm. So when he told me that, I was like, you know what? That's kind of how I felt. At first, I was like, I have to call Raya and Trevor and happen in this book. But I realized his intention was exactly what happened. I want to talk about it. Yeah, I didn't. I was just mad. <laughs> well, and then also in the book, there was a lot of discussion about, not a lot, but I mean, there was discussion about like when certain health things happen. Like, I don't know if you remember in the book when it's, when they were talking about how, you know, the symptoms happen with the son and it says, yeah, the mom didn't, you know, doesn't know now, but she's still going to, she's going to have something, 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 or she's going to feel yeah, a couple of months. A couple of months. Gonna happen so to again. me, it was like, there was some that I could draw from to come up with this. That everybody was going to die? No, because he didn't say, they never really said everybody. They just, he just dropped a couple of people. There wasn't an everybody. It was, right. we would all, they would get to this point too, but it, but it wasn't as exact about certain things they said about some people. And then people changed in the, when the movie came out, but uh, <laughs> that's what's throwing me because it was like the mom, wait, who's mom? But yeah, so I think I got a little bit, but I just, I don't know. I just needed an ending or more. So I'm very um, anxious about a book, a book two. Um, I didn't get the impression that there was going to be a book two from the um, from the uh, discussion. No, what the I didn't. Hell? I, did. I wanted a book two, but, but I, I agree with Lynn that it definitely was thought provoking. Like he, not only did they want you to have discussions about the ending, but they wanted you to have discussions about biases that he sort of sprinkled oh in that book gosh. and in the movie. Like that was so intentional. And both the author and the director spoke about their experiences with biases throughout their lives. So that was really interesting. And so it was important for the director 
to capture that in the movie. So he went above and beyond to make sure he captures that. But a side note is that although they talked about biases, the bias of the facilitator in the question answer section did not allow her to call on one person of color for a question. Facts. Wait a minute. Rewind. Yes. Rewind. We are invited to a premiere. Yeah. We go. Yeah. We've actually read the book. Yeah. Pretty excited about it. Yeah. Well, I already know you. You, it, it, raise hand, ask question all day long, and you weren't able to ask a question? She didn't call on one person of color. As a matter of fact, when I thought she was calling on me, it ended up that she was calling on this white man that was standing behind me. Well, like he just strolled in from like outside. He just like, strolled oh, in was standing. She, you were like, and I, when I what? tell you, I put my hand up the soon as they like, I feel like I had the, my had my hand up in the air first. And I'm not saying that you needed to call on me, but when I reflected, I was just like, this whole conversation was about biases. And this woman who was conducting the interviews or conducting the facilitated conversation, she did not call on one person of color for a question. And what was disappointing to me is that every person she called on had not read the book. Like we had evidence. pointed questions about the book to movie transition and nobody actually called and it was very clear. They had no knowledge of the book. They didn't know the basis of the storyline because one question and we can dive into the movie just a little bit now that I needed to ask the director is why he changed Ruth. Like I just needed to know that, which I was able to ask the writer how he felt about it afterwards when he was autographing the books. So let me segue onto that note of the facilitator. She so mind you, the author is a person of color himself. He's even though he's from Bethesda, Maryland, he himself was Muslim. And then the director, he's Egyptian and Muslim and was raised in Tennessee, yes. Texas. Texas, I think is what it was. And he was saying how there was like no representation of no. anybody Muslim, let alone Egyptian in Texas. But he really wanted um the diversity to show within not just the book, but in the movie. So I'm sorry. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So Lynn, get back. I'm back. (laughs) Um, And then, excuse me, when the random lady asked the question, um, white lady, if you only watched the movie, she's asking questions to a director trying to say, oh, well, you know, what do you think about it? And I was like, well, the whole point of having both of them here is to have the author and the director both give their insights into how their interpretations varied and or were similar right. and they did not ask the author as many questions as they definitely should have which we were trying to do <laughs> but well, yeah because nobody that she asked the question read the book nobody so, so I wonder if that, well, do you think that could have been possibly intentional maybe to see if the people that were not of color got it no well they i think failed she did. that test because she nobody did. read the book like the book it was completely evident so yeah mm-hmm. it was yeah so, but anyway, into the interpretation, <laughs> adaptation. adaptation. It was definitely awesome to like. I mean, just for one to see the actor, or actor, the author, and the director at the same time was was amazing. Um, one of the tidbits before I go into my interpretation of the adaptation was the author. Um, no, I'm sorry, the director got the book from I guess like his uh, a friend or a other publisher. He the actual book had not been published yet. He had gotten a copy on his desk wow. and read it prior to being published in June of 2022, after 2020. And he read through it in one sitting and he said, find this author. I've got to make this into an wow. adaptation. So before the book was even published to like the world, the director was like, I'm on it because I got so many chills 
and excitement and different scenes in his head of how he envisioned on taking the words to actual like the screen. So that was pretty fun to see. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was it was a great discussion. I loved hearing them talk about the book and then just their background. The passion that they both had about the diversity of the book and the movie was incredible. So he wants to mention the first and most obvious adaptation change about Ruth. So, yeah. Well, let me just say that I love this adaptation. I think they did a fabulous job. The way that they brought the graphics to life in this movie from what we were reading was just incredible. The deer I was supposed to. Yeah. I mean, the deer really, really. I think I, supposed to. I'm looking at the wall and I see the deer. And how many times have you been driving on the road and the deer is just staring at you? And then you're like, dude, who else is with you? And you look in the like the woods and there's like five other ones kind of like all watching you. And it's like, what are y'all doing here? That's <laughs> what I I can't drive my car because you're going to run in front of it. But at the same time, you're quickly staring at me. And they What's captured that? the essence of how deer act. Like they just, they captured that perfectly. But back to your question, Lynn. Sorry, go ahead. My, my, I, I don't understand the change of Ruth. So for those of you who watched the movie and maybe didn't read the book, in the book, the character Ruth was um, Marshale Ali's wife. So he played the wife. She played the wife of the African-American character in the book. In the movie, they changed. That's what's his name. I couldn't remember his name. George Washington. So she played George Washington's wife. And in the movie, they changed that character to be his daughter. Now, it worked. I love the way it worked. I love the play on her interaction with the family that was in the house, Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts characters. It worked, but I just still didn't understand it. Some of the dynamics that took place, I think, could have only happened with her being a younger character. And that's basically what the author was saying that he did not give the suggestion of changing Ruth to um, her age to the director. But once he read the screenplay that the director had written or his whoever written it, or as he read it, he was just like, hmm, this is how you interpret it to really put, um, kind of drill home on not just the ageism, but like diversity, the classism, like how to add all those aspects in. He was just like, I liked how my interpretation went from one way and he was able to bring it in another way. Yeah. By changing the age. Because that millennial, you know, (laughs) there's a lot of things that happen when it comes to race that we're like later talking about. I believe they didn't think I owned this house, but the millennial, <laughs> and you didn't think we owned it, did you? I mean, like, oh, right she didn't let nothing go. What the director said. He was like, you know, with the different ages, like a person that was older is something like used to being passive, mm-hmm. used to being muted because of well, history and mm-hmm. society. And then also living in a world that you have to change your vernacular to match your skin tone surroundings. But a millennial, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I love it. Works. It works so well, and it's probably one of the only times that I can remember where they completely changed the character, and I wasn't screaming and yelling about it because it worked, and and it was needed to bring in some of the dynamics that they wanted to capture in the movie. See, for me, and again, because we've seen this with many other um, books that maybe only had one or two books that they then carried it on. It could also be that the 
producer and director may be going to do a part two. Maybe. Because you could take that further with just that whole dynamic of mm-hmm. that family, the two families, and create something um, from that. How did you like the, what's his name, the handyman? Oh, uh, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> First of all, I love me some Kevin Bacon. And he just, he's similar to Ethan Hawk, man. They know how to capture the roles that they were hired to play. <laughs> he literally is crazy. You went to the shotgun and after he's like, well, you know, the barber system is so over the thing. It's not a barber system. You paid for it. Anyways, I love Kevin Bacon. But he was like, you can come back. But you won't be in. I won't let you in. Or something he said. What did he say? But that conversation or something. Right. Right. But that's about which, it. Which was kind of cute because I think it was as wasn't as harsh as in the book. Because in the book, it was just like, you yeah, don't come back to my, don't come back. Yeah. Was, right. If you Point. come back, I'm going to shoot you. Where right. this was a little bit more, you come back. You talk. That's about it. <laughs> Do y'all want to talk about that boat scene um, with the ship that was coming up on so land? It, I mean, first of all, the, the graphics on that were amazing, but I just don't know about sitting and watching the boat come towards me as long as they did in the movie. <laughs> I was like, can we just get up and run because it's coming in? <laughs> so that's something that, um, well, I've been, of course, like scrolling through TikTok like crazy, reading a lot of, or listening and watching a lot of TikToks made about this book or actually the movie because 90% of people didn't read the book, which is what I learned as I was commenting when I read the book. Which we learned a lot about many of our adaptations. Like people have so many comments and they don't read the book. It's yeah. like you don't even know where it's based from. So, okay, whatever. So one right. of the things that they said is, um, or I don't know who it was. Somebody said is for one, like how parents are always kind of like, oh, ignoring their kids. Well, like, you know, oh, whatever. She's you know, she's traveling again type thing. And the whole time she's like the little girl was just staring at the book like or the boat like, y'all don't see this? And eventually once it became like up in their face and they had to pay attention was when they listened to her. So it's kind of one of those uh, generational things that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. that you have to like make your voice known. Cause me, I'm, I'm like, look, y'all want to see if y'all want to, but right. I'm, gone. I'm out. I'm out. And somebody but even was, still, they sat and watched it for a minute. And, and I'm like, and something else somebody mentioned was one of the first boats that brought or that was um, shipped out in the transatlantic slave trade was called the White Lion. Oh, and that was the name of the ship that docked. Not the docked, I guess it was. Really? that? Who caught that? I don't know. I was, I was scrolling through TikTok and I was like, well, now I gotta go to Google and started Googling it. And wow. That's crazy. So these are connections that, you know, had Lynn not been on the podcast, we would have never drawn. But I love, I love those types of connections. Cause what now, what's this, what's the symbolism of that? Of the white line coming up on like I don't know I'm gonna have to think about that exactly so the whole time I was thinking I'm like man if I would have like known these facts that director director and that author would have not let let that uh, movie theater I'd have been like so I gotta ask the questions and start it off because there's so many things I would have loved to know and then also the drones that dropped different threats from different countries depending on different languages different languages yeah. depending on where they were falling. So if they were in the West Coast, they did this. If they were on the East Coast, Midwest, Central, they were all different messages saying that a different group was attacking. Yeah. So there's so many like symbolism things that I didn't even notice until I started listening to things on TikTok. And um, I thought you are going to make me watch that movie again now. Check out that boat. There was something else that had to do with the shirt that Clay was wearing, but I completely forgot what it was. That had some symbolism to it, too. Or mm-hmm. some like Easter. Um, yeah, Easter egg, they call it, whatever. 
that was mm-hmm. hidden. So I got to look it up. Stay tuned for part two. Not of the book <laughs> in our movie, but our review once we figure these things out. Right. Yeah. I would love to tie all that stuff down. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we should write a blog about that. All the symbolisms in that movie. It was mm-hmm. so good. So all in all, I did like the adaptation. I, of course, I saw the, um, the casting before it came out. That was not who I envisioned when I read the book. But I'm not mad at any of them. No. No. And so I enjoyed it. And oh, also the author said that when he was presented with the opportunity to have this book adapted, adapted to a movie, he said that he was picturing at first like somebody like Denzel. And then as they started talking, he was like, no, we need like a, like a low or lower named um, actor, like a, you know, C D list actor. And then after people had read the script, when they wanted to become a part of the cast, he was like, I mean, I had no say, but like, did I ever think it was going to be Julia Roberts and Kevin Bacon? No. But he was like, I'm not mad at it. No. And, so I, and I and I love Marshall. I mean, like, he's amazing in everything he does. So well, have you ever had a dream like you lose your teeth? Like, my yes. God, yes, yes, I have. Because I have, and I was just like, my dream. When the little boy started losing his teeth. <laughs> he was so calm. In that. Like, I would have been hysterical. The little boy was calm. It's like, I feel fine. You know, uh, I have love teeth. <laughs> well, you know, but, you know, in this day and age, you don't, they'll just put, pop new ones in. So I guess he's like, uh, yeah, they'll come on out. Right. And how about the little girl's friends obsession? I need to see the last episode. That comes with the instant instant gratification of that generation. Mm -hmm. Like they have to have that closure. And I think that was another symbolized thing was that like her obsession with like friends. Like nowadays we binge everything. So we have the beginning to like the end. Mm -hmm. And sometimes shows aren't concluded, but at the same time, we know that's the ending. Right. But she never got the ending. Well, technically she did, but she had this cliffhanger of an ending where she wanted more, but we got the same non-conclusion from the book and from the movie. Yeah. So I think that was part of like the symbolism too, was that like- That was definitely a connection. Are we going to get that, that closure? Because you saw her looking at it, but did the power cut out? Who knows? All I know is- She cut out, but then she sat and watched that movie and didn't go look for her family. Didn't tell anybody. Was everyone was getting shot for her brother's cheat and whatnot. Yeah, I need to watch this. I'll go back and get them later. Right. Because they didn't listen to me anyway about going to the houses or, or anything else. Or anything else. Even when she laying in bed, she said, well, I'm tired of waiting. I got to do something. Yeah. That is a Gen Z right there. Yep. Got up and rolled out. Gen Alpha too. Got up and rolled out. Well, I mean, Lynn, you brought up the cast. I don't know if you guys want to talk about them. <laughs> I thought it was magnificent. I don't, I, there's not one cast member I would have changed on that storyline. And think about the, the little bit of people that were in the movie, but like it was eight. so big. It was like eight but eight it was people. only like, you know, a couple of actors. It was so, like eight people yeah. in the whole thing. So that was just great. Lady. You can understand a little bit of Spanish. You can oh. understand a little bit of Spanish. Also through TikTok, what yeah. I saw was uh, some people were translating like what she said. And basically she said that the deer were like standing there staring at her. None of the cell, like power's working, the phones don't work and planes were crashing. So she's like describing all the things that like each of them had seen the boat docking, the planes crashing, the deer. She had seen them all, but like didn't know, she couldn't communicate that. Mm-hmm. And he's so dismissive that he just let her go. Had you taken her with you, Somebody in that house would have been able to try to figure. I mean, the, and recognize the, the everything that came together. It was Arabic or something that he recognized. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Like death something. So why wouldn't you? For one, like community wise, I get that they don't really have a lot of food, but you could have figured it out whatever. 
It's like, why wouldn't you take her with you? Well, deer's good eating. There was a hundred of them. <laughs> you wouldn't they, know deer. They gonna attack. They had plenty of meat because they looked at them like. <laughs> but yeah, I feel bad about that woman. But he, you know, it definitely demonstrated his embarrassment for his behavior on that because he sort of displayed that afterwards. I, very I good. It was very good. It was good. It was really good. Yeah, okay. This was a little like conventional of our normal layout for our podcast because we've got a little bit of a insight from the author and director, but hope you guys were able to keep along with us in um, my squirrel moments. Sorry about that. All of our, I know my squirrel moments. I like zone out Plus, right. and come back. Well, it's birthday. You got, I know. <laughs> Inside joke. Um, Anyways, we ready to rate this? Yeah, I gave it a full glass. I gave it a full glass. I gave it a full glass. And because we got to meet the author and director, that adds to the full glass. So we got a full bottle. All right. So you guys know what to do. It's a full bottle. So you got to read the book. Yes. You got to watch the movie. Yes. And then you got to tell us what you think about it. Please. We'd love to hear back from Conversation. You. We need to have more. Yes. Please, please, please. And follow us. On readwatchwine.com, on readwatchwine on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And be on the lookout. We got some new things coming this next year. New things coming this year. <laughs> what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> um, thank you so much for following us for this long. Oh, God, how long has it been so far? So before we met up to record, that's why. As we met up to record for this podcast, we were talking about um, December 13th of this year just marked us five years Mm -hmm. of coming up, well, somebody coming up with the idea of this podcast. And in March of 2024 will actually be the five year mark that we launched it. But the idea came about uh, December 13th of 2018, thanks to this lovely multitasker 18 jobs and I got 18 <laughs> 32 jobs and four schools uh it's four different um degrees anyway I, we're just loving it so we hope that you guys continue to enjoy it we love to read we definitely love to watch movies and we love to share it with you guys so like subscribe follow us please interact we love to hear what you guys are thinking if you like something didn't like it if you totally disagree with us Please let us know because we want to hear it. And we're going to tell you wrong. Because <laughs> we always write facts. <laughs> but we still want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank right. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.